was. Mm-hmm. You wonder what people have been through to make them play rugby. Intelligent, elegant athletes, I would probably say. You, you, you could have played rugby. I only played rugby. What position did you play? Fullback? Flanker. Yeah, you look like a right flanker, to be honest. Yeah, Right or left flanker? Flanker, second row, and right. That's a hard position. That's the, uh, the Richie McCaw, who is my all-time hero is position. Right? Yes. Read Richie McCaw's book. It is tremendous. His training techniques, I don't think you would have embraced them. Such as? Uh, he used to just go out on a, a pitch, empty pitch himself, and basically for, the, for 80 minutes would, would reproduce the pattern of a game on his own. So Because a flanker's job, obviously, is getting to the breakdowns. Mm. The ball gets released, getting to the breakdowns. So basically, you're up and down and up and down. It's an incredibly intense. And he just basically, on his own, used to basically go to break, hypothetical breakdown. Why are you smiling? I'm just this is why Richie McCaw became a great flanker, and you are what you are. I'm just thinking of Richie McCaw sort of coming off this empty pitch, saying to no one, that was a bloody great game, mate. Yeah. And they, they lost. No, they played really well. Yeah, again, that's what, lost, that's what he did. That's what he did. Obviously, New Zealand are not, not, not Australian. But, no, know, that was New Zealand. No, it's that, that, was, that was South it's African, like, wasn't it? It's like Australian, but less evil. No, no, New Zealand is um, changing every, pretty much every vowel for an I. So if you have a bed or a pen. A bid. A bid or a pin. Bid or a pin? That's South African. That's South African. It's a bid or pin. No, that's South African that's, again. How you, that's how you Say do it again. New Zealand. That is from uh, a, a New Zealand friend called Lucy. So, you know, that is from the horse. Well, She's not a horse. Lucy. Horses Lucy. Is she actually <laughs> South African? Who's <laughs> also from South Africa. But that's how you do, that's how you do a, a New Zealand accent. I, I regard my, all of my uh, Southern Hemisphere accents as quite good. Let's run through them. Absolutely not. Just we <laughs> I will happily sort of hang on to my delusion that my Southern Hemisphere accents are quite good. Without anybody disproving them. I mean, they're all point. basically the same. I'd say my Australian is the weakest. There's a lot of people who can do it. How many can you do? Accent. How many accents can I do? Yeah, yeah. So go, list them rather than going through them. List, list Not the regional accents. Do. National, <laughs> national <laughs> accents. How many can you do? Not New Zealand. This is my North second... North Island. My second friend... <laughs> 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 this is like my second friend's references in the many pods. This is like Joey Triviani's CV. His friends, yeah. yeah, with his <laughs> accents and languages he can speak. I didn't know Steve was such a big fan of Friends, to be honest. Oh, no, not really. Two it's friends just, weeks, poorly, it's very not, really, not really just watching it's it. It's just because I'm with my buddies. <laughs> how, how are you with the Scandinavian nations? Are you. No. no, no. Maybe something you can could work get, on? Could get better, no yeah. question. Just, yeah. just put some practice in, it'll be yeah. fine. Go on to an empty pitch. No, but the thing is that. <laughs> Boring shadow playing accents. <laughs> Some Norwegian over there. Iceland over here. Gave, gave himself a big world map and he could go from one country to the next practicing the accent. Like the thing they used to have on, on the weather on ITV. Yeah, yeah, but we don't mention the guy that did that anymore. This is Set Piece Many, the podcast where four friends talk football over food. I'm Hugh Ferris. Joining me are Stephen Wyeth on a winter break, Rory Smith on a mid season break, and Andy Hinchcliffe on another bathroom break. You know what they say about men over the age of 50. The food is today York fruits. I love when those bad boys. When was the last time you had York fruits? Oh, they like are 1980 a spectac- I was going to say a spectacular memory from when I was about eight years old. Yeah. They are glorious. It's Please like leave some for my wife. I think it's actually her York fruits into which we are about to delve. But they're like fruits but covered in salt. That, is that your description of that's a what, that's what they look like. je- jelly sweet with sugar around them? Yes, they're like large jelly tots, aren't okay, they? Okay, you're not having one. You can normally Stephen, only your enthusiasm them if you're is rewarded. Years old. Yeah. 
Normally, these you, ca- the, you either choose one of these or an after eight, don't you? Thank you very much, by the way. Well, you've gone for the, exactly the oh, right one. God. Congratulations to you. There aren't many, so uh, please distribute wisely. Is there not another layer? Uh, there there's another one layer. more layer, but that still Gemma only means there are 20 in total. Gemma only needs one layer. Yeah. yeah. Um, the football is chinch. Do you know what we're talking about today? Uh, is it about nice people? It is. We're talking about likeable footballers. What makes a player transcend the tribalism of the day? Who's the guy from the team you hate that you actually don't hate that much? Uh, and yes, we're going to try and make a select 11 out of it. Um, you can get in touch with the podcast at Setpiece Menu is where we are on Twitter. Setpiecemenu at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook as well. We just have one email today and there is a good reason for that. It's very long. It's also very good. So there are two reasons for this email. It comes from... time for a bathroom break. Uh, yes, indeed. Another now? one. Yes, exactly. It comes from Alex Christian and it relates to SPM 162 on Charisma. Bear with me. It's worth it. (coughs) Dear SPMers, I was struck while listening to your Klopp slash Guardiola slash Pearson theory of charisma as it seemed like you'd hit upon some fundamental truth of how leadership works. Well, you had, because you basically came up with Max Weber's tripartite classification of authority from 1919. I haven't read that, just be clear, but I I have seen the film. Just in case you don't know, Max Weber is a uh, famous German philosopher. Not so famous to be included in Monty Python's Philosopher's Song, but famous nonetheless. Is he one of those German philosophers who later became a bit... mm, Oh, I don't know. There's there's too many to choose from. We should probably doodle that, shouldn't we? Alex continues with this. Not being appraised of the most important things in life, Weber ignored football and wrote about how authority arises in the political sphere. There, he identifies three types of legitimate rule, charismatic, traditional and legal rational. And at this point, we've lost Chinch. I think that his classification functions very well as a formalised version of your discussion with a bit of translation into footballing terms. He's going to use charisma, reputation and ideas. Let's investigate further, says Alex, mostly with reference to Liverpool managers of the last 15 years. And we start with charisma. Charismatic authority, writes Weber, rests on the personal devotion of the follower to the Lord and his gifts, comprising magical abilities, revelations of heroism, and power of the mind and of speech. If that description brings to mind Jurgen Klopp, then that's because he is the ultimate example. To listen to Klopp speak is to want to follow him, not only because of his enthusiasm, but for the real humanity he exudes. Even in his second language, he seems to be able to find exactly the right expression to inspire his charges. Of course, Klopp is no mere motivator, and he possesses as much of the other two types of authority as anyone else. That is why he is the best in the world says Alex. On the other hand, it appeared 12 months ago that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer appeared to have the same kind of charismatic understanding of his squad and fans. He just got it, apparently. However, after being appointed permanently, results turned against him and he lost it. His charisma ceased to be effective. As Weber writes, obedience is forthcoming only so long as his charisma is proven by evidence. His rule falls if he is forsaken by his God, deprived of his heroic strength. Solskjaer's god left after the PSG miracle. Brendan Rodgers' god slipped to earth after flying too close to the league title. We have switched to Greek mythology. 
So that's charisma. Now we move on to reputation. Weber's traditional authority is rooted in institutions like the church, the aristocracy and universities. In football, however, I would change it to something along the lines of reputational authority, people whose aura comes from their achievements and their history. Kenny Dalgleish was never a tactical mastermind and could often surpass even Pep in his arsiness towards the media, but his decades of service at Liverpool made him an almost unimpeachable, almost metaphysical leader. If Weber was looking for an equivalent, he might choose the Pope. Nonetheless, in the same way that a Quaker might not deign to kiss the Pope's ring, Dalgleish's reputational authority could not be transferred to Newcastle. Reputational leaders mostly seem to succeed soon after their reputation-building heydays. Dalgleish had success as a manager while he was still playing and soon after retirement, but without enhancing his tactical approach to the game, the effectiveness of his reputation on players attenuated over time. He... he Alex is far too clever to be listening to this podcast. I would question what Alex is doing <laughs> with his to life. Us. He's writing. He's essays. dumbing down. That's what he's doing. <laughs> Do you, yeah, this is um, this is his. We're his release from think? the intensity of his usual thoughts. We we are his watching of friends in Steve's life. Yeah. Okay. Finally, to ideas. Weber's legal rational authority built around principles, laws and evidence was the hardest to corrupt and the model for the future. In football, I'd call it something like idealistic authority. Rafa Benitez was the epitome of this at Anfield and I'm sure you had a uh, at least a paragraph in the book, uh, Rory, about this. As long as players can see that you have a plan, and as long as they can understand and believe in it, you have their commitment. These ideas don't have to be tactics. For someone like Nigel Pearson, they could be disciplinary principles, or for Arsene Wenger, they could be dietary innovations, or the simple idea of not turning up to a game drunk. But a lot of, a lot of players did believe in that when Wenger introduced it. Pep is the master of this in the modern game, says Alex, taking after his idol Marcelo Bielsa. When either of them turns up at your club, their methods are so transformative that players would feel stupid not to do their best to execute that plan to the fullest. Man cannot live, however, on rondos and defensive drills alone. And this is what makes Rafa such an interesting case. As a fan, or at least as a Liverpool fan, Rafa comes across as incredibly warm and charismatic as someone who really gets the fans. In winning the Champions League, he developed that reputational authority as well. That was number two of the three. Um, we were ready to follow him, he says, ready for him to be our spiritual leader, even in the dark times of Hicks and Gillette. Not so, though, he says, for the players. It came as a real surprise in Stevie G's 2007 autobiography that his favourite manager in his career up until that point was Kevin Keegan from his time with England. Fernando Torres, while Rafa was still his manager, related his surprise at being congratulated uh, by Rafa after the birth of his daughter, only to figure out that the congratulations offered were actually because of his performance the previous weekend, not nine months prior. Whether by choice or by personality quirk, Rafa chose not to capitalise on his obvious capacity for charismatic and traditional authority, preferring to keep the training ground an ideas-only place. While somehow noble, I feel like this has prevented Rafa from reaching the same level as Mourinho, Pep and Klopp. Gerard's experience also shows the crucial role of the players in this calculation. When he picked out Keegan as his favourite manager, he was an all-action 27-year-old, bursting with passion and desire to attack, but still not in possession of a best position. You could see then why he might have been most receptive to Keegan. When he appeared on Jamie Carragher's Greatest Game podcast last month, however, he was a 40-year-old manager, and when Carra asked uh, him which of his managers he takes the most from in his new role, Gerard went straight for Rafa. Authority, writes Weber in conclusion, means the probability that a specific command will be obeyed. If you don't have enough of any of those three types that we've been talking about, and that probability is close to zero. Yes, the manager has some inherent authority, he's been appointed by the board, but that will only get him so far. The most sophisticated football tactics will fail without players who want to hear them. Authority can only be legitimate if it is accepted 
as such. Alex signs off with this. Now I'm off to write an essay on why Julius Caesar lost the dressing room. Many thanks, Alex. He did. Julius Caesar really did lose the dressing room. That was a Full real on. issue, wasn't it? It really was. I mean, that was proper mutiny. It was, and then they appointed Augustus as a player manager. <laughs> that was Jamie Vardy getting involved with Brutus. It really was, yeah. Alex, Imagine extraordinary the work. Thank you very much uh, indeed. <laughs> Uh, if you have a piece of football-related academic material that you'd like us to A, read out and B, claim partial credit for, you can send it to setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Can I ask a moral question? Please do. Uh, morally, in terms of morals and ethics, do I have to credit Alex when, in about six months' time, I steal the Weber parallel for a piece on a manager? Or do I just get to do that myself? Do I, can I now pretend that I've read Weber as well as seeing the film? <laughs> I just write what you want to write, take the money... And keep stum. Yeah, okay. I think that that's certainly now a, that's, a course. That's that's wise counsel. That's because actually, he's not mentioned it, obviously. Anyway. Curiously, I've heard that's your approach to tax. <laughs> <laughs> Only personal tax. The fact that you're willing to plagiarise the idea is surely all the credit that Alex needs. Or deserves, yeah. <laughs> now, partly because we like doing it, and partly because it means I have to write less in the script, we have a listener suggestion for our topic today. Shane Thomas has allowed us to scratch a recurring itch with this email. Hi, gents. I recently read a piece on Santi Cazorla and realised that even in such a tribalist sport, there are few players who are, if not loved, then liked and admired, free from partisan rancour. I thought this would be a fun topic on which to do a composite 11. Now, Shane has sent us nine players, saying the problem is I'm two defenders short of a full 11. So as well as discussing what makes certain players likeable, no matter for whom they play, maybe you can also find enough names to fill out a team. Well... I will reveal Shane's players after we've attempted to plot our own path to a Select 11 filled with those likeable footballers. He signs off in a slightly melancholy tone. Hugely enjoy the pod. My only regret was that I didn't discover it sooner. Well, Shane, as a recent reviewer on Apple Podcasts said, alongside a rating of five stars, I should add, working my way through the back catalogue as the episodes don't age too much and are still relevant and enjoyable months later. If you're paying attention, Shane, if you're looking for a niche football podcast, this reviewer says, with four mates talking rubbish on it, then this is the one for you. Niche and talking rubbish. That is definitely going on the poster. So then, what makes a player likeable? Free, as Shane says, of partisan rancour. Yeah, but if we were doing what they do for film posters, we'd take that last paragraph and turn it into, if you are looking for a football podcast with four mates talking... This is the one for you. <laughs> yes, just taking... They just take, take, they take the words out they don't like. Yes, exactly. Let's edit it for our own purposes. So, this kind of player is a particular rarity in this oh-so-tribal age, making the challenge of coming up with a Select 11 a difficult one, but one we are prepared to accept, if only for the relatively effortless content. Shall we start then with the one that prompted this thought originally from Shane, and that is Santi Cazorla. Yeah, so I, I, we need to kind of establish parameters, don't we? Let's establish parameters. Mm, mm. Are we talking about people who we think are nice in football? Or are we talking about footballers who are universally not unpopular, which I would suggest in the modern climate is the best anyone can hope for? I would suggest the uh, latter, simply because that involves a greater yes. uh, congregation. And that involves the listeners who might not necessarily know them personally. By uh, all means, it can be affected by yeah, yeah. how you feel about them personally. Uh, I'm also not going to necessarily limit this to current players. Uh, if there's a particularly strong suggestion from somebody who is retired. But I don't want to go too far back do, do, into the annals of do, history. Do they need to have been relatively successful? Do we need to agree that they were a decent yeah. footballer who mm. had a good career as well? Yeah, does it mean we could all say we really like Dave Edwards at Shrewsbury, but, or that he's not unpopular, but that's because no one has an opinion on him? 
Yeah. He's a very nice chap, Dave Edwards. I'm sure, apparently he is, yeah. yeah. Yes, I've spoken to him on a couple of occasions. Yes. All right, well, he's uh, going straight in. We need defenders. So. Yeah. But like, he can play anywhere, though. Well, yeah. So oh, yes. versatile. I know, likeable and versatile. Yes. The, but that, yeah, it has to, they have to be of a certain level that you could reasonably expect them to be unpopular. I think yes, there is, exactly. There is, to have played for a club that has at least some foe. If you take your average relatively high-profile Premier League player or Serie, Serie A or Bundesliga or La Liga or whatever player, they are... There'll, there'll be more people who, or there will be a lot of, there will be a substantial congregation who dislike them. So, like Neymar, there's lots and lots of people who really love Neymar, but there's also quite a lot of people who really hate Neymar. And it's, well, in fact, the, the best example is Messi and Ronaldo, isn't it? That yeah. Messi and Ronaldo are, should be universally loved, both of them, but they aren't. They it's are 50, mutually 50. exclusive. They're, they are entirely <laughs> mutually exclusive, and if you like one, you have to hate yes. the other. Yeah. Mm. So it's you need people who kind of people have only got so much love to give, Rory. That's true, but they have apparently a bottomless reserve of hate. <laughs> Stephen, that was very moving. That might be the most sort of sentimental thing he's ever said. Do you think he's I, quoting friends? Probably, yeah. <laughs> the one with the sentimental <laughs> statement. <laughs> and do players that say have played for direct, like if you play for Liverpool and for Everton, I was thinking of Nick Barmby. If you play mm-hmm. for Liverpool and for Everton, yet are still liked by both by both sets, mm-hmm. is, is do you it, get like a gold star? Nick Barmby, what's your view on Nick Barmby? I would imagine, I'm guessing, I would imagine Nicky Barmby is remembered more fondly at Liverpool than he is at Everton. Yeah, but again, people, anybody, you, don't, you can't really take a, have a dislike of Nick Who would dislike Nick Barmby? His enemies. If you've but played... He doesn't have any enemies because he's, su- he's such a nice chap. Is he a nice man, And, Nick and he was on the pitch as well. What he, I don't think you could, the way he played, he that played like that for everybody. That is a example, Chinch, of somebody Thanks, who, man. for whom we are looking. So, but I, I was thinking, I bet Gary Speed, hate Gary Nicky Speed Barmby. was another one who I think, again, was at such a level, but you, you couldn't... Again, what happened to him, I think that kind of clouds how we maybe viewed him. But as a player, you never really heard... No, I think everyone liked Gary Speed. Gary's, even when he was... was, was yeah. play, whoever he played for, as you, a, you couldn't... You as couldn't opposed dislike. to Kevin Nolan. Ah. So Kevin Nolan, who is a nice bloke, Kevin Nolan is the sort of player that everyone really should have liked, you know, played for, for a sort of... Up, you know, a kind of underdog side, grit, thunder... A roughy tufty team. Roughy. <laughs> It's a technical term. It might bamboozle. It's something that Guardiola would use. Seems a little a paradoxical. Roughy tufty. A roughy tufty team. Yes. Sort of upstarts, you know, all that stuff. But quite a lot of people don't like Kevin Nolan. But quite a lot of people didn't like Bolton in the way they went about their business. Because Kevin Davis. Kevin, uh, Gary Speed was, played for Bolton. Yep. That's there what made go. me think of Kevin Nolan. But Kevin mm. Davis. Davis is a lovely man. He is one of the nicest footballers you could people possibly meet. Like people didn't like his sharp People didn't like him because they thought he was dirty. Yeah, true. Uh, but I think speed is a good shout. I think speed is. But I would, I would imagine that if we do this, if we, do too, if we allow ourselves to wallow in the past too much, we'll find it too easy because A, nostalgia tricks you and makes you think, oh, yeah, I quite liked him, really. It is but indeed a fog of nostalgia. It is a fog of nostalgia. But also I think that the, the level of tribalism has ramped up, mm-hmm. although it manifests differently to the, days of, the dark days of hooliganism, the, the level of tribalism has ramped up so much in the last... 10, 15 years that it's now much more common sorry it's, it's now much rarer for players to yes. be kind of harder to get into a select yeah. 11 if we try and focus on players who are We're still playing. playing but Speed is a great suggestion because he played for Leeds and yes. people still like him yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> true it's a fair point so given that we've we've jumped from Santi Cazorla straight back to Nicky Barber oh, no, so even though Cazorla, I tried to start the, the conversation but, but with, with Cazorla it's partly I think the injuries that there is an element of so sympathy comes there's a sympathy it. for him of you, you could recognise that he wasn't a player you could object to he wasn't dirty he was, a, he was a lovely player to watch he could kind of do everything he wasn't so successful within his club career that you had to envy him 
he wasn't particularly outspoken. Uh, this actually links to the soccer story later, but from my personal experience of Santi Tazola, excellent man, excellent chef. The um, what a lovely tease. Mm. The yeah, he, he made good teas as well. Tazola yeah. is a really is, was was a famously nice bloke, but I think the injuries are what made him feel like a kind of. People wished him well. Is there also an element to uh, the the way that he played, the position that he played, and even something as seemingly facile as his diminutive stature? Because there's another player he instantly comes to mind, and that's David, David Silva. Yeah. He, has to be, yeah. he ticks all those boxes for the same reason, and he plays with a team who has been successful, yeah, yeah. and he has been successful but he within for that team. Premier, if he played for another Premier League team, no, but you would, he, you he would never imagine do that. that but if would that if that you're a Manchester it? United or a Liverpool no, no. fan, you wouldn't you wouldn't say oh, he, he's the one. Yeah, that yeah, really I don't, I don't, he should be the captain, David Silva. Of this team. All oh, right, okay. Seems but, early to do that. Well, in fact, I can name a third diminutive Spanish playmaker who fits the bill as well. Juan, Go for it. Juan Mata. Juan Mata's another excellent suggestion. And to make it a fourth, mm. a fourth, uh, not quite as diminutive, no, but, no, but Spanish midfielder, how about Xavi Alonso as well? So you're, you're huffing, Chinch. That but, wasn't a huff, that was a... Hmm. But nobody, nobody dislikes Juan Mata. Part. And given that Juan Mata's been playing in the Premier League for the best part of 10 years for Chelsea and Manchester United, that's quite impressive. But he's, to me, he's more of a vanilla footballer, which, yeah, okay, you don't like... I don't have strong opinions because he's just kind of a bit bland. To me, he just seems okay. a, bit, yeah. a bit... There is a difference between a lo- someone who's likeable and someone who doesn't seem to have much He doesn't stir any emotion yes. within you. Yes, a bit vanilla. So you're, you're is that cruel? Is that, it's cruel, I know it's cruel. But I would say that... But you, yeah. I think you're affected by the fact, or, or those who have met him are affected by the fact that he is a genuinely nice, uh, nice guy. He's it would, he would appear to be, and also because of his charitable efforts. You have that to take, you have to, to take. I think that out of the equation. Just think about him the as overall a impression. Football. Yeah. The maybe I, I would have thought that maybe Silver is lifted out of blandness because he's so good. You can't yes. ignore him. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. Yeah. And we can't yeah. fit all three of them in the team. There's no, there'd be no one to tackle. <laughs> Jabby Alonso, yes, but I think there's an element of that came with time. And I think it, it happened after he left. I would, I would basically say that as a rule for this, we're going to find it really hard to include anyone who plays for Liverpool or Manchester United. Apart I would from like Juan to, Mata. I would like to try and get somebody who's played for either of those two teams just to prove that it's that it's it, possible. It is possible. Well, in, in our need for a midfielder who can tackle, Darren Fletcher, former Manchester United yep. player, yep. would be a suggestion Broadly that I would put admired. forward. Yep, yep. has Not- had a good career, won an awful lot, is a lovely fella. And I think that people are starting to see that more in his TV and radio work now. But as a player, while he was playing, I don't remember people ever really objecting to Darren Fletcher. I don't remember him being the bad guy. People didn't like Darry Neville. People didn't like Rio Ferdinand. Is it because those players were in the team? If you had Neville, and, yeah. it's because there's distractions from him. So people weren't saying, well, we, we've got to hate Darren Fletcher because he's yeah. one of the best players. They've got. He kind of went under the radar a little bit. Is that It, it was helped. He was helped by the fact that he had some big superstars yeah. playing in yeah. the team. With him, him. him and the likes of... Michael Carrick were the acceptable yeah. faces of a of a phenomenally sort of juggernaut team that just Michael Carrick is another one. Carrick's got to be successful, therefore divisive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's that's Carrick, how it works. But mm, Carrick is Yes, and for for somebody like David Silver, for example, to to rise above that and to be a contributor, significant contributor, one of the faces of the team. Uh, to be able to be in this potential select 11 is is particularly impressive. But one of the things that he does do under the radar is media work. He doesn't do really anything. So mm-hmm. he doesn't put himself out there in certain in ways that certain players do. So him and someone like Sergio Aguero have been the mainstays of this Manchester City decade. And yet because they're so rarely in the media, for one thing, for Sergio Aguero, it means that he doesn't tend to feature in until now, it must be said, tend to feature in kind of talking about players of the year and... Uh, and players even of the decade it, it took until that moment when somebody 
I think it was Alan Shearer was very supportive mm. of the idea that he was the best Premier League player, yes. best best Premier yeah. League striker of that decade. Indeed, best foreign striker at all. Didn't yeah. he? he said he was better than Thierry Henry I think by his Shearer reckoning. thinks Aguero was the best player that has ever been in the Premier League. So there's there, there are those to consider. Um, that's a, a different discussion about mm-hmm. kind of whether you have to use the media to, to increase your brand and therefore be talked about more and narratives that surround you and everything. But but for David Silva to, to be able to do that is incredibly impressive, I think, to still be considered likeable because he's not a vanilla player. He's no. not a player no, that no. is hiding behind other more outspoken p- people in that team. So that I think that's an, an mm-hmm. incredibly uh, impressive achievement to still be fairly liked. Is De Bruyne... Well, no, considerably liked, I should say. Is De Bruyne in that same category? I don't think De Bruyne is unpopular with anyone particularly. No, he's slightly more outspoken. He's he's kind of got a bit of a laissez-faire attitude to what he should and shouldn't say. But what City players, Sterling, is he unpopular with, clearly with Liverpool yes, fans? For, yeah. for, but again, that, that for rules him out. Well, also, also racists. Yes, the, um, but if you take those out <laughs> of the equation. How many City... That's what I think the, the great thing about City is. That there aren't a lot of players in that City team that you think, right, today, when we play them, who can we pick... You're struggling to find someone to pick on. As if, right, there's, there's the bad boy, there's the player that we really hate. Is, again, is that the characters yeah, that true. City have in that team? There's no one that really it's, you dislike. To an extent, it's deliberate, because City, without question, after the kind of Balotelli-Tevez era, that Man- the Mancini team, very clearly made a decision, we do not want... It is very much in, part yeah, of their in recruitment, inverted isn't it? In inverted commas, big characters. Yeah, they want... Troublemakers. They want... They want Pogba, no, Sanchez, all yeah. those players, they decided not to sign. That was one of the driving... Well, they, they, want they, they tried Sanchez. <laughs> they want good yeah. foot soldiers. Yeah. In, in hugely talented, excellent yeah. footballers, but they don't want. They want. They want a little bit personality-wise, a little bit vanilla. They want just team players, purely dedicated, kind of one-dimensional footballers. They've, they've had. They had enough of, of three-dimensional characters with with Super Mario and Carlitos. That that put them. <laughs> Sounds off like it. my kind of club. I'd have fitted in there because I'm one-dimensional. I just wasn't good enough. It's a shame, isn't it? I think you'd, you'd, you'd find still get in. You'd get in the current City team at left back, Ginge. I think you'd find that now. Yeah, because that's they've got a dustbin playing there with a City shirt on, haven't they? Clearly, I'd get into the team. Football is more would be more a more accommodating environment for Andrew George Hinch- Hinchcliffe yes. in the 2020s than it was in the damn, 1990s. Damn, just born would you my would time. you uh, consider uh, yourself every time again? <laughs> 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 what do you mean again? In so many ways, Chinch, you, you would have been <laughs> behind his time far too slow. Are you having a laugh, aren't you? No. I was lightning quick. Were you? Until yes. the age of 19. Yes. <laughs> and no. Then the injuries. No. Until at least 20. Oh, I was me. lightning quick. Someone asked me the other day, did you almost sign for Liverpool when you were at City? Uh, there was rumours that Daglish was watching me. Yes, there was rumours. Yeah, but I never... It never, it never, got, never, it got never went that, that was far. the same period. Rumours United as well. United and United as well. Well, apparently. And then, and then they signed Dennis Irwin. <laughs> what a mistake that was. And Dennis Irwin actually probably gets into this 11. Yes. Yeah, Dennis Irwin yes. was definitely Defender. needing defenders. But Chinch, mm-hmm. I, I was trying to ask you a question before uh, being diverted off into something of a... Uh, uh, quagmire. <laughs> quagmire of fantasy. Um were you? Would you consider yourself a good teammate, a likable, a likable person? And did you find that Ooh, anywhere blimey. you went, in particular, you you felt the partisan rancor of those fans? I, did I stir emotions in anybody? Are you one matter of the age? I did. Obviously, City United game when I played at Old Trafford because of my City connections. But it was mainly my City connections, not. And of course, that incredible, stupendous goal I scored in the five-one. That clearly, United fans have held that against me, and, and so they should. But when I went to take corners at the Stretford end, I did get... But most people get dog's abuse, don't they, when they go to take corners? So actually, it wasn't necessarily... They were thinking about me as a player. They were just saying, you're a former City player. Yeah, you're not special, Chinch. You're just the person taking the corner. Yeah, thanks, Steve. A very good in-swinging corner, flat pace. It (laughs) takes the keeper out of the equation. sure it was. But anyway, they just on principle... On principle, they had to... So I don't think they were thinking about me as the player... 
they were just thinking about me as a former City player playing at United. So that was, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think I had too many yeah, issues with but now, opposition fans. So you, now you'd be absolutely hated. I think oh, yeah. a certain level of analysis would, would if, if, we, if this was a different podcast, one that was broadcast through a major radio network, for example, we'd say Harry Kane. Oh, yeah, everybody loves Harry Kane. Yeah, Harry Kane, really popular. But I think of an over... Was that your Norwegian or was that... That was my... That was my Welsh. <laughs> oh, was that? Do that again. Everybody that done. Kind of a soft Ray Winston, wasn't Terry it? Hardcastle. Terry Hardcastle. Yeah, of course. Everybody is. loves Harry Kane, don't yeah. they? Um, the Especially Daniel Marbella. <laughs> but I think quite a lot of people hate Harry Kane. I think Harry Kane's quite unpopular. But one of the reasons is one of the reasons that Harry Kane is unpopular is because people get frustrated about how universally he is. A, he yeah. appears, how can you how dislike Harry Kane? He appears. How, to be. how can but you? People rail against that, don't they? If there is a kind of perceived wisdom that this guy is something that we all love, it him. will immediately yeah. create <laughs> That's not crazy. some sort of countercurrent yeah. of well, in okay. that case, I hate him. Right. People don't like Deli Ali because they think he's spiky. I like Deli Ali a lot, but people think he's spiky. Anybody who is associated with. Um, Diving mm-hmm. has enough of a taint. So Jamie Vardy's not going to get into this team, then. Is Jamie Vardy, will <laughs> Jamie not, Vardy unfortunately, is, is very much not a popular figure in football. He, yeah, would, play, he would play against this team. He would play, yeah, if there was an upside-down version of this team, Vardy. <laughs> Let's gets do this. Another pod in that. Have we done one like this before? Hated players. <laughs> the most hated eleven. I'm sure we can absolutely do that. It uh, might be a bit too quick. But there's too many players to choose from. Spurs-wise, Son. Son yes. is very yeah. much up there. Even when yeah. Son got sent off for that challenge on uh, Gomez, mm. yeah. um, there was a sense of sympathy to him, towards well, him, because it, of course of the nature of the challenge, but also because of the person that he is. In the same way as we often say, I often say in this podcast, that Pep Guardiola is the only man who ever loses a game because he's too clever. Mm. Son Heung-min is the only player who ever gets three red cards because he's so nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he apologised straight away for cutting that man's head off. <laughs> He looked <laughs> devastated. That tells you everything about him. He's Sunday. surrounded by bodies, but he looks, he looks like he's sorry. <laughs> I didn't even know it was carrying the axe. <laughs> so this is quite impressive that we're actually getting some players from high-profile teams who yeah. would normally be in this environment considered fairly divisive. Just to pick up on the Harry Kane one, though, that's, that is another interesting sort of parameter, perhaps, for the discussion, because even if we, as the four of us would analyse somebody as saying, well, how can you possibly object to that footballer? Clearly people do. Mm. So just because we like or admire someone doesn't necessarily mean they earn a place in this team because Mm. we have to accept that the prevailing mood is somewhat different to that. Yeah. Can it also be achieved by um, being an inoffensive but brilliant player for a team who would normally be your rival? So somebody like N'Golo Conte is mm-hmm. oh, yeah, Conte. He, yeah. he rises above it because he is simply so good at what he does, but he is also an inoffensive player in the way that he comports himself. We were talking mm-hmm. about flying under the radar of media appearances. He very rarely uh, talks. He talks sometimes to eminent journalists, um, including uh, Roderick Smith. But Seriously? But yeah, I interviewed Conte in November. How was he? Uh, very quiet. Lovely, but very quiet. It's a bit of a problem when you're doing an interview, isn't it? It's not his deal. Quite quiet. Yeah. He's very well, smi- well, very nice about it. He smiles. smiles. He does yeah, smile a lot. A lot like of Rory's smiles. prose was, you know, short sentences. Mm. Conte waited. Yeah. Conte thought. Yes. He's he, a kind of like Lee Child prose. You know, short sentences to give you a sense did it, of did it make sense increasing what he wrote, drama and tension. It made sense what Rory wrote. There was no headbutting, was there? There was no headbutting, oh, well. uh, for the most part. But, but he, he, he is one of those players who transcends the, yeah, everyone the, likes Conte, the, the yeah. tribalism because he's... You, you can... You, he, usually, if you are really good, you are a threat. Therefore, they are somebody that you should not like on a, on a, if he is on Except, a team that is your rival. Is it partly to do with not being likely to score? 
right or or contribute or assist. to be seen to sort of yes like people a pe- a everyone ma- changer ad- it is safe to admire Conte because you can be relatively certain he, do, he does get the occasional goal and he will he will get the occasional assist but he's not he's not the player who's going to cut you apart is he ah but or then like you get s- you get someone like Wilfred and Didi <laughs> Wilfred Ndidi, who is a very likable... No one really can... You can't, you can't hate Wilfred Ndidi. Well, he doesn't do much. He does everything. He does everything uh, for yeah, Leicester, doesn't Ndidi's he? So superb, actually, yeah. fans are being duped into thinking, oh, he's, an, oh, he's not doing anything. doesn't score any goals. Doesn't yeah. create any, ah, but what does he do for the players around him? Who but score the, all the but goals? But that's you having an understanding of the analytical That's me being an excellent pundit, Hugh. But that's not necessarily what we're talking about today. Iniesta. In fact, do you know what? This is, I think we should take all Dominique Spanish <laughs> playmakers <laughs> out of this. Yeah. Is or choose two or three. But the, the, one, the midfield one that, that surely I would, I would nominate as captain that is universally admired is Andrea Pirlo. Yes. Everybody loves Pirlo. Even England fans who saw him take that cheeky penalty to knock England out of Euro 2012. I, I think that there is a small backlash about the kind of the deification of Pirlo that's happened in the last two or three years, but it's only a very small one. I think at heart, people like Andrea Pirlo. But we can observe him from a slight, slightly yeah, it's like distant yeah. position, yeah, can't yeah, yeah. we? Dispassionate position. Can somebody who's played for AC Milan, Inter Milan and Juventus be is he going the people in Italy oh, they feel the same them. way about him do you I think, think? if you play for all of them no, maybe but, it's okay because it cancels yeah, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, I'm just trying to Possibly, offer a count yeah, 1 might, plus might, 1 plus 1 equals nothing brilliant you might be right I don't know I don't think so though because certainly just players play for those for those for two I know that's not unusual, unusual. Yeah, yeah. so I, I don't get the impression it's kind of harmed his legacy and also because he he kind of really blossomed in the global public consciousness late in his career I think he maybe transcended which club he played for, played for. Is there an element to this being very superficial? So with PL, I appreciate he's a wonderful player and, and was absolutely brilliant to watch and integral to the teams for whom he played. But is there also an element of kind of cultish, he's pretty cool, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And so you, you put onto him, you project onto him aspects of likability because yeah. you like him because he's kind of cool. And you want to seem to be liking somebody. Yeah, although... I th- Is that a trap into which we're allowing ourselves to fall? A little bit, maybe. I think the th- where Pirlo has avoided the trap... So if you look at Pirlo and Zlatan, their marketing strategies for late in their careers and early retirement, or not quite early retirement for Zlatan, have been quite similar. It's the building of this character. Pirlo's was like Mr. Cool, sunglasses, scarf, Italian style, tailored. Zlatan's is con- continually comparing himself to a lion. That appears to be Zlatan's whole... Whole, like he, you know, he, he sort of comes down for breakfast. Lions don't eat frosties. He's just and a, <laughs> he's just a tigers big, only. Yes, exactly. He's just a big, <laughs> a big C.S. Lewis fan, and he, uh, he particularly uh, happy with the allegorical "I am God." Lions don't drive Ford Mondeos. <laughs> the, um, the, Is that your Norwegian? <laughs> that's my Swedish. That's Swedish, isn't it? I thought it was. got yeah. a deep voice. Obvious, he has. Obvious, he has. Uh, just on the Sweden-Russia yes, border. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> so I think Zlatan, which is called Finland. <laughs> <laughs> so I think Zlatan hasn't. Zlatan, I don't think Zlatan's universally popular. I think there's a lot of people who don't who, who don't like Zlatan, or at least don't like the character the that shtick. Zlatan Ibrahimovic plays. But Pirlo, I think, has judged it just about right and is is pretty well liked. Xabi Alonso, who you mentioned at the start, is probably in that category. But I think the Liverpool thing maybe means that there's quite a lot of people. I think there's probably a contingency of people who don't really like Xabi Alonso. Um, when you mentioned um, Angola Conte uh, being not dangerous, if you like, mm. to, to your, the, the opposing team or the team that, that you support. Uh, let's take it right back to goalkeepers who won't score goals, but they will prevent them. But at least they are not considered an offensive threat to your team. So are, are goalkeepers easier to find because there are 
those who will not affect a game against you in that way. There's a lot of goalkeepers who aren't unpopular at all. Like I wouldn't say that anyone dislikes Alisson particularly. I was going to say in the Premier League, name a goalkeeper that people really dislike. But can you? You probably can't. Joe Hart. You <laughs> the, is he a goalkeeper still? He former formerly active goalkeeper mm, Joe Hart. Mm, mm. Um, I would have thought that I, I would have thought there'd be a few people who don't particularly like Edison. Funnily enough, but. I, I think, don't know why. I think but goalkeepers are very much associated and twinned with the team for whom they play. Yeah. They they mm. are a, not necessarily a standard bearer, but they, they are affected by that. Probably because they aren't necessarily as important. But one player who is, it seems to me, universally liked is Ben Foster. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. He'd be a very good candidate. It'd be someone at that level, I think, wouldn't it? Does it if, you look, if you think about someone like Hugh De Lloris, who's a World Cup winning captain, captain of Spurs, really, really good goalkeeper, he won't be unpopular, but I bet there's a lot of people who think, ah, oh, Hugh Dallarese is rubbish. Do you know what I mean? That was a slightly different London accent. <laughs> Who's that? Terry Hardcastle's... Terry Hardcastle's... Slightly feminine brother. Or... Terry Hardcastle's niece. <laughs> is that Larry Hardcastle? <laughs> Len Hardcastle. <laughs> the... No, Len's still yeah. quite a tough name. Yeah. Len's still quite a tough L- name. Len's Larry. his uncle. Larry's Len's his uncle. I know, Barry. I know a dog Barry. Called, I know a dog called Len. I get, I get the, the impression Len Hardcastle <laughs> is the, the family boss. He's yeah, the maybe, yeah, yeah. He's and moved out of the east, and he's got a nice place yeah, in the yeah, north. Yeah. No, he, no, he's Len Hardcastle's living in Weybridge. He's near Bruce Forsyth. <laughs> but all, all of his neighbours have been yew tree. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, can, 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 Len can just walk out of his garden onto the golf course. Yeah, he can sort exactly, of play the back, yeah, yeah. back nine without even bothering nine. going through the clubhouse. Listen, and you, you can do that in Rochdale. And so. You do not know what's under those bunkers. What has Len, Who has Len put oh, under yes. the bunkers? That's the big question. Can we get back on track? Was Peter Schmeichel popular? No, no, no. really, not who was slightest. No. Just and by association, nor is Casper. <laughs> is he? Is he? No, I'd say Casper's not pop- not universally popular. I'd say that. I think that he, there was a point at which Casper might have been universally popular, but his association with the Ranieri exit. Um, no, but there's, to there's diminish um, his likability. There's Rory hadn't thought of that, if, but now you've told him that he really he, hates Cashman. Even Michael. if that's true or not, <laughs> but his association, and of no, course, the, these are all these are all judgments made by people who don't actually know the player themselves, and so therefore. But, so the thing with Casper, someone told me this story that um, a couple of years ago, <laughs> his, is this a soccer story in see, itself? See how quickly Steve just in that breath like grabbed that. a York fruit. It was like, <laughs> so Casper a few a few years ago was asked to name his. Not, not dissimilar to this, his combined 11 of the greatest players he's ever played with. Mm. And, you know, he's had quite a long career as Casper. He's been to a few, a few different clubs. Obviously, he is, he is most associated with Leicester. It's by his, one of his sponsors. And they said to him, they went up to film the thing. He was meant to go through the players. And, you know, it was kind of Christian Eriksen and whoever else that they, that they were expecting him to name. And he said, no, well, look, I, I, um, I can't name anybody apart from the Leicester title winning team. I can't leave any of them out because if I left one of them out I'd be insulting to them so it's, I'm just going to say the Leicester title winning team the sponsor sort of said well look Casper it's, it's not it's not really meant to be serious like mm-hmm. they're not going to be offended they don't care it's just just a, we just need like three minutes of content from you and he's like no I'll just say I'm just going to say it's the Leicester <laughs> title winning team and they were like no Casper you really need to think about this a little bit more because we've, br- we've brought some names along to suggest them to you but you know we want you to kind of talk about the players and no just the Leicester title <laughs> wasn't having team. it just wouldn't do it <laughs> And I think there's a, li- a What li- about Wes Morgan? Can you leave Wes out? No, no, no. no. <laughs> what, Rob- Captain. Is Robert Hooth genuinely the best central defender you ever played with? It's the Leicester title winning team. The, and I think a little bit of that has leached out with Casper in his... And I think Casper actually... I don't want to call him Casper, I don't know him. I think he's maybe not... I think he, he probably could have been a universally popular figure, but has not necessarily helped himself. 
some of the names we've all discussed in other positions, and maybe David Silver is one, is that we project onto them the fact that we think they're incredibly likeable because we admire them so much as a player and they haven't caused us any offence. And I suppose goalkeepers are most vulnerable, perhaps, to that in that because they don't get the opportunity to express themselves in the same way, we don't form a particularly strong opinion one way or another as to whether we, we like them as people yeah. or not. So when we do get an opportunity to to learn a bit about them, as you've just described there about Kasper Spikel, you might quickly come to a conclusion from which you know you you will not change. Whereas Ben Foster is a good example of somebody who who has had an opportunity to to be a little bit outspoken for us to to understand a bit about his personality, and we've decided in the in the main, I think that we we quite like it. And a former Manchester United player, mm. who, yep, that ticks that box. Christian Eriksen. Is that another one? I don't think Spurs fans would agree with you. Yeah, well, I know, but again, for... Yeah, Eriksen's probably not a bad shout. There's a lot of playmakers. Yeah. A lot of playmakers. Mesut Ozil's but not again, that popular, because, though, is he? No. Because, we, because we admire them. Yeah. The way they go about their business pleases us. So we, we decide that if we, we, t- we, we, like, we like as well as admire them. If we take out Jose Mourinho, Itetasius as a goalkeeper, who pretty much everybody liked... People liked Etetasius. Is is Real Madrid a similar issue? F- I do. I don't. I don't think. But and I'll, I'll have because to because of this meddlesome character. But I, with, I don't know others. whether whether anyone at Barcelona really, really like hated Etetasius. And I think in those situations you have to accept that. Yeah, Barca fans aren't gonna be like Etetasius is my favourite player. But I think there was a broad. He was. You know, he won the World Cup for Spain. He, he's the man. The man who lifted the World Cup. For the Spanish within the first time in history, so I think he probably transcended that a little bit. Uh, Pepe Reina might also be a, a a widely admired goalkeeper. Here we are. We're, we're now delving into the possible Liverpools after getting a possible Manchester United. Um, talking, we mentioned Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Let's go to another tall striker, bearing in mind his particular media profile currently. Uh, who thinks that Peter Crouch is universally liked? And is it because he's universally liked now? Even before, was even he before, universally yes. liked before? Yeah, this? Crouch is so. universally liked. I think yeah. so. People yeah. like people. It, it, Emil Heskey was another one I was going to mention. Emil Crouch, Crouch came through that initial phase where he was he had horrible abuse from QPR and stuff like that. Does he looked different? But I think for, certainly for like the last ten or twelve years of his career, Crouch was a pretty since popular. Since the figure. robot? No, since the line that may be apocryphal when someone said to him, "If you hadn't been a footballer, what would you have been?" and he said, "A virgin." <laughs> I think that basically he should have he should have been elected to Parliament. <laughs> On just the, on the basis of on that. the back of that joke that Labour joke. are looking for a, a new, will they have a new leader by <laughs> no, this well, time Labour are still looking for a yes, new leader so maybe April, Crouchy isn't it? April yeah. time. is he a red well he is he yeah. was <laughs> very suitable um, just going through the current Liverpool team because we've been through the current Manchester City team to try. I'm desperate to try and uh, have these people transcend what about somebody like Trent Alexander-Arnold so the uh, if, knowing the, City fans I don't think that they would necessarily uh, find I, any well, great too displeasure soon, no. too, early, too soon too early in the, their career so yeah, Alexander Arnold, I think, is a little bit too soon. But also, I suspect that there is there is a, a substantial proportion of like Man City fans and Man United fans who won't like him. Robertson, I think, came, there was a point at which Robertson was maybe in that category. But there's there's now, I think, maybe a slight backlash against that because he's maybe overdoing the. I think people have basically noticed that Andy Robertson is a proper snide, and that rules him out. Uh, the only other one that I wonder from Liverpool is Van Dijk. I don't know whether Van Dyke is actually so admired for how he plays that perhaps he's not a target of there is there is there is 
dislike of people don't want him to see him do well. Who you know, if you're a Man United fan, you want to see Virgil Van Dijk get injured. But I wonder whether Van Dijk is actually relatively. Well, if you think about the the, the the current group of fans who would be most interested in Liverpool players is Manchester City fans. And I think if I could be so bold um, to speak on behalf of them, mm. what some might say is that he's so good that they're annoyed by it. Possibly. So therefore, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't fit the category of so good that you have so to admire, admire him. Yeah. And also yeah. it's an area that City have really struggled in this. So maybe that's been... They, they bid for him. Yeah. Bid what about Sadio Mane? Mane, maybe, yeah. But then I th- but Head of Salah and Firmino? But, yeah, I think there's yes, an issue with Mane and diving. Diving, again, yeah, okay. I think people think of him as a diver, same as Salah. I actually, Firmino is probably the, the most likely of the three. Mm. But Although I'm, he's annoying for City fans, particularly because of all the late goals that he keeps on scoring in the title race. But I wonder, yeah, whether, anymore, but I wonder whether with Firmino there's an element, it's not that people dislike him, it's that people don't, people think he's overrated. I think every, pretty much every Liverpool player of the current crop would be dismissed as overrated. overrated. James Milner would have been one if it wasn't for the for the way that he left yes. City. Yeah. I think oh, if no, that had happened, I, I generally now, speaking... I I've heard some horrible whether... stories about James Milner. I'm just going to leave it there. <laughs> okay. Really? Yes. So no. I don't want to talk... We'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll, I get, maybe we'll Fashion, personal darts. hygiene, I don't want to talk about choices. Steve, 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 you won't get it out of me. Stop tweaking my nipples. You're not going to get <laughs> it out of I think me. Mil- Milner's probably. I know there's rancor with City fans. Although I think I, I still think part of that is because Liverpool fans boo Sterling, so they think, well, we're going to boo, we're going to boo Milner. I, I, I see a lot of Manchester City fans in the course of my daily dog walks. Very, I've never sort of got the impression that sort of on a personal level any of them actually really hate James Milner uh, talking about Manchester City um, what about Vincent Company how far off a team by the way are we, we we're, um, a lot of names getting mentioned here are we getting close to a team 17 in midfield yeah. and pretty much nothing else got a goalkeeper though have we, we we've have got Ben Foster Ben Foster ben Foster's Foster's oh, okay. or maybe Ika Casillas you know we can uh, leave Foster it open we often do um, so what Yeah, what about Vincent Company something like that what would, what would Liverpool and Manchester United fans no, say I think, I think about Vincent Company I think Company's yeah. safe I think Tony yep. will be safe. Immediate, immediate mm-hmm. inked into our team. Yep. Uh, another Manchester City player, Pablo Zabaleta. I don't. Um, mm. Does he come into your Juan Mata category? He's working very James. hard to get West Ham fans to hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think Zabaleta probably is, is not sufficient. People probably don't have sufficiently strong opinions on him, to be honest. Is he vanilla? A little bit. I think no. I don't think people object to Pablo Zabaleta, but I don't think he's seen as being a kind of vanilla with a bit I of really chocolate like, chip. No, no one, no one's sort of wandering around saying I really like Pablo Zabaleta. Well, we need we need defenders. That's where Shane was struggling in his initial submission to us. So, uh, given that we this, yeah, we, this we, doesn't have to be all our own work though. This no. doesn't have to be the four of us and Shane that come up with this. No, we, we can, can, open, we can, we can bro- open it out of it. Do we have other listeners? What the four <laughs> well, of us? If, and Shane? Us. if you were to go back in time a little bit, you'd say a shoe in in defence is Maldini. Yes, I was going to say, we, we might need to put uh, Gary Speed at left-back, but actually if we've got Maldini, then uh, we don't need Gary Speed True. at left-back. Yes. We can put Gary, Gary Speed in his right no left-back in the position. mix, have we? we don't. Kenny Sansom. We're, trying to, get, we're trying to get current players, aren't we? If we're we trying current if we can, but we're, we're struggling with defenders, so let's okay. go a little bit further back uh, in terms of defenders. What, left-backs that we admire and I, find likeable, <laughs> whose company we enjoy... <laughs> Nigel Winterburn. Would you like another York fruit, Steve? Please like me. (laughs) Non-sprinter mind. Um. uh, We can can ask people to contribute to defenders, Mm -hmm. as Shane asked us to do, and we've massively failed. Strikers? Can we we find those? If we've got Son Heung-min as being one, Mm -hmm. and we've got such a big midfield, we probably only need one or two. Aguero? Mm, I don't know. Seriously? I don't think a lot of people who don't support Man City... Trying to meet him in York Fruit. <laughs> Who wouldn't? 
I think I don't think he'd wear his. I don't think he's disliked at all. But I don't. I don't know if he's massively. I don't popular. think we know enough about him no. to draw a conclusion. Really? Yeah. Small feet, straws, dolls. That's all you know yeah, about Sergio Aguero. That's a terrible, terrible problem to have, isn't it? For a Sergio like Andy striker. 2.0, small feet, scores goals. Sergio Aguero <laughs> will, will be a massive part of our footballing lives, but he'll come and go without us ever really mm-hmm. learning that much oh. about him or forming that great, that big an opinion. Mbappe. Oh, well, if we can't put in Trent <clears throat> yeah, Alexander-Arnold because he's too young, can't put in somebody who's younger than him. Well, he's been around for longer, though, Mbappe. Not chronologically. That's how age works. <laughs> but he, um, <laughs> Thanks, he, 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 turned up, he came through a little bit before... Alexander Arnold, the season before, wasn't it? Do we do we not have to find? I think we. I feel like we need to find out a bit more about him. Okay. Yeah, we, need a, we need a lar- larger body of work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. in terms of like the the Premier League, if you, we're looking at strikers, the Premier League greats, what you, Ian Wright, he's a likable kind of guy, isn't he? Do we not? But playing for that Arsenal team, Wright is amazing and lovely, obviously. But I don't know if he'd be. I don't know how opposition fans would feel about him. I think Ian. I mean, Wright, he should have been king of the jungle. I, I mean, think, there is no greater yeah, barometer of popularity. We have to separate a little bit because people like Ian Wright, the media figure, but as a player, I'm not sure. Yes, it's I the think same. it's two different things. Liking the person is different, particularly liking a person in their post-football career yeah, yeah. is is difficult. It's um like Darren the Ninja. Yeah, Broadly, loved him as a player. <laughs> broadly hated as a player. <laughs> Crouch is a striker. Crouch is the yeah, best oh one yeah. striker. Oh, yes, yeah, we, yeah, have, Crouch, we have yeah. Peter Crouch. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Please contribute because we've hit a massive brick wall at the end here. If we have managed to at least get Paolo Maldini, Vincent Company into a back four, then we are, like Shane, albeit with different players, needing two more defenders if we're going to have a back four. Uh, we've got Ben Foster or Ike Casillas in goal. You know, tell us what you think. And then in midfield, we've got 83 diminutive Spaniards. Yes, all of them. And N'Golo Conte. Yes. And then up front, Crouch and Son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good team. We've got to give this team a name. Who's the manager? Who's well, the universally oh. liked manager? Well, it, well Ooh. Um, Ooh, that's a good question. That is a good one. Uh, the, the, I suspect that you'd struggle to find one from the modern... Crop. Manuel Pellegrini. Does anyone take offence to him? I think people. I think that's different. That's not being liked. I think no one takes huge offence to him, but no one likes him. Ranier, can we put Ranieri in charge? Ranieri, maybe. Ranieri. People like Ranieri. Okay, Ranieri's He seems charge. like the right manager for these players yeah. as well, doesn't he? Uh, let us know. <laughs> setpiecemenu at gmail.com. You can uh, also tweet us at setpiecemenu. Can I make a suggestion? Maybe, if, if you want to offer up a player, maybe do so from the point of view of which team do you support? So, so say to us, you know, support Manchester City, but suggesting Darren Fletcher. This is the team I support, but this is the team from, player from my rival team mm. who I still admire despite of that. There's Just be the that. bigger person. Just be yeah. the bigger yeah. person. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so our midfield is Darren Fletcher, Gary Speed, N'Golo Conte, and a load of diminutive Spaniards. Yes. Uh, it is now time for Nevermind Jack and Ori, What a Soccer Story. This is when Rory Ooh. Smith tells us a tale from his massively successful media career with all adult behaviour and libel-worthy details removed. This was teased a few weeks ago. Yes. And you said, next time Chinch has run out of ideas, yeah. come to me for this story. And, that and has, earlier in the podcast... That's happened worryingly soon, that Chinch has run out of ideas. How many pods have we done? 166. I only played for 18 years. How many, how, how many stories do you expect me to come out with? 300 plus? Not that many exciting, funny things happened to me. I'm running out. So, Rory, over to you. And you two, by the way. Yeah, you, you some, two. Something good must have happened at some point in your lives. Never once. Um, so... Not that we can embellish as effectively as you yeah, manage with the story. Lying about the time that I was captain. I'm going to guess that it was about 2013. 2013. Ish. And 
Kate and Katie, my, not Kate, my wife, but Kate, uh, Laurens and Katie Baldwin, two wonderful people who work for Arsenal, uh, had agreed to allow me, a Spanish speaker, to go and do the first, and I think, actually, if we're all completely honest, only interview that Alexis Sanchez ever did oh. as a proper one-on-one. He never did a proper sit-down for anybody. I'm not even sure he did TV, but he, he eventually was persuaded to, to speak to me while I was working for the Times. Uh, and as, the, as these things often are, it was um, connected to some sort of social project that Arsenal were doing. Mm-hmm. And they, were, they had a, a, a campaign on with Centrepoint, who are a, a thoroughly admirable uh, homeless charity in London. Uh, and I think possibly elsewhere, although I'm not sure. But Centrepoint, very good, do wonderful work. And the idea was that Alexis Sanchez would go down to the Centrepoint base in Soho. He'd meet some of the people that Centrepoint, some of the kids that Centrepoint worked with. And they were all going to cook some fajitas. Ah, okay. And we'd after after the fajitas had been made and consumed, uh, not by me, because I'm not allowed to accept grace and favour. <laughs> um, the the but you brought your own sandwiches. <laughs> I had brought my own nachos. <laughs> <laughs> I brought this which ent- you didn't offer to anybody. <laughs> I brought this enchilada to eat, eat in front of you underprivileged children. And the anyway, so turn up, and all footballers are always late. And hang around, sense point, speak to some people, some people, some people who work there, speak to some of the kids. It was just have a chat. It was the people who work there obviously are amazing, doing incredible things uh, for not very much money. And wait for Sanchez to turn up. Anyway, I think Kate was texting me saying, oh, he's on his way, just, just left training, blah, blah, blah. And wait, half an hour, hour, whatever, fairly standard wait, waiting time to interview a footballer. Personal best is Andy Carroll, four and a half hours late. Thanks, Andy. You should have left after two. It was Valentine's Day. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> um, the, eventually, Sanchez turns up, and it turns out he's a bit nervous. He's been nervous about doing this interview. He's not a confident speaker, let alone, it wasn't a public speaking event. He, he just had to talk to me. So he'd brought a friend along, and that friend was Santi Cazola. Santi, oh. Santi had come along to, to, to help him, basically. Uh, and Santi Tuzola is a lovely man, and me and Santi had a chat, and Alexis and Santi went and did their um, did their bit, and we had a photographer there taking pictures. Uh, and I think actually, to be fair, I think we did the interview beforehand um, rather than afterwards. Because Sanchez wanted it over and done with, and Sanchez was not quite monosyllabic, but was reluctant to answer any questions at all. And Santi kind of had to try and. Santi really helped. Like a lot of the time, you find that the um, the other person doesn't really do it. They just sort of sat there and it's as though their presence is meant to calm the person. Mm-hmm. Like when you take your dog to the vet. So it's spirit animals. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. and spirit guide. And spirit guide. <laughs> but Santi was he was clearly trying to get Alexis to talk for me. Like he kept saying, "But what do you mean by that, Alexis?" <laughs> <laughs> he did all the follow up. Yeah. <laughs> Santi, stop interfering. Anyway, we then go out to make the fajitas, and I don't know if you've ever made fajitas, but it is quite a simple process. So the kids were all putting the chicken and the peppers and the onion in the pan, and I believe they were the old El Paso fajitas. I was going to say, then you just sprinkle the fajita mix, sprinkle on the the fajita mix on. And Alexis Sanchez's job was the cheese. <laughs> his, his job <laughs> was the cheese. Now, how would you put cheese on a fajita? How would I put? I'd you'd sprinkle grate it. it. Grate it and sprinkle it. Yeah. You'd grate it. Yeah. Do you know how to work a grater? Work a grater. So you hold the grater still. I, I know how to work a grater, or you don't have to explain to me. <laughs> and then you slide oh, the cheese. Oh, oh don't tell me. You slid the gr- oh, no. Not if you're Alexis Sanchez. Oh, no, no. So Sanchez holds the cheese <laughs> firm and slides the grater up again. <laughs> it's it like he's taking the hard skin off his feet, isn't and it? it? <laughs> and, it, and it didn't work, unsurprisingly. 
And Santi Tazola had to show him how to use a grater. Now that you you can you could tell that story as um, as aren't footballers overprivileged, mm. but I think it might be the opposite. I think it might be that Sanchez grew up incredibly poor in yes. Chile, yeah, and never had chances. This is sound really stupid. I don't mean it to sound stupid. Probably never had chance to use a grater. Obviously not. That's li- not that rite of passage to great cheese for the first if, time. If you're if you're li- leading, this is a serious point, Stephen. I'm not taking the. P- if you're leading a a hand to mouth existence, you're probably not great in your cheese. But it really struck me like that this is a you know we change the stories how he always tries to t- like put a point on the end. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah. Do I do that? It's yeah. called the Jerry Springer moment. The Jerry Springer. Ah, I see. Um, I'm gonna do a Springer, and uh, it just struck me that yeah, you forget how young and naive and it's inexperienced. Sanchez would have been 23, 24. That was after Barcelona. 23, 24 at that point, and you forget how little life experience they've had aside from the very, very small world in which they inhabit, inhabit that Alexis Sanchez didn't know how to use a cheese grater. You think it's like a rite of passage in Chile where a, a father will take his son hijo, hijo, nos vamos deli and say, this is the day. We're going to go to the pub and have a pint. Es el tiempo del grater. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to grate the cheese. That's, that's, that's Chilean. Chilean. That's yeah. Chilean. That was Chilean, yeah. Anyway, that's oh, no, I think that's kind of... We're not, we're not laughing at, at that. It's just, again, there's... Oh, no, it, look, it no. just hadn't... Clearly, it hadn't ever done it before. I'm as woke as they come, but mm. it is funny when you see someone not be able to work a grater. That is funny. I find it funny when Ed can't do stuff because he's two and an, and, and an we idiot. Can, yeah. We can laugh at the circumstances if not the but reasons I, but behind But I think it's the, worth, uh, it is worth pausing to reflect on the, the, the parable of the greater. People, <laughs> if you take one message from this, <laughs> hold your kids tight <laughs> and teach them how to grate cheese. Yeah. If you were writing the Bible today, you'd probably put that story in, wouldn't you? The parable of the greater. Yes, the parable yeah. of the greater. The yeah, rich yeah, man yeah. who goes to, yes. to the place where, where people have nothing yes. but doesn't know how to put cheese in their fajitas. Yeah. Yeah. At what point do tables get um, upended though? There always needs to be no, tables to be fair, people turned liked over. The, people did like the fajitas. Everyone likes it. Was part of, that, that would be one of my commandments, that everyone likes fajitas. Yeah. <laughs> Here endeth the lesson yeah, from go. Smith, chapter 14, verses 1 to 33. Keep your correspondence <laughs> coming into setpiecemenu at gmail.com. Don't forget, if you haven't reached a novel, we've uh, had a couple of weeks off, so your thirst for one is probably massive. Uh, open it, take a photo, send it to us, Andy will read it in another uh, edition of Out of Context Reacher. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I have out of context greater in my head. Out <laughs> <laughs> of context greater. Uh, anyway, please subscribe, share, rate, and review as we humbly ask you to continue to find room for us in your podcast schedule. That's rate, not great. Thanks to Rory, Stephen, and Andy, and to you all for listening. We'll be at another set piece, many for you to enjoy very soon. I'm just trying to think something else that's comparable. Where you'd, you know, you'd clearly hold the greater, slide the cheese, holding the cheese, sliding. Is there anything else in life where if you're given two objects? You'd clearly get them well, so last week you told us about hoovering. Wrong. You rip up the carpet, turn the hoover upside down and rub the carpet on the <laughs> oh, hoover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I clearly wouldn't do that because that's stupid. You know, and that's not a rite of passage. My dad didn't teach me how to hoover. I wonder whether Rory could have provided you with a gateway towards a whole new sphere of soccer stories. Maybe you can think about footballers you know or footballers you played with who couldn't do the most simple of things. This is... I'll, is I will, I will, I'll give this... Give this some. I've heard stories about players when they retired not understanding how to insure their car or how to go about getting your car insured because it had all been done for them while they were playing. How hard can it be? So we've now got a secondary volume of Chinch yeah. shopping no, 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 no. about whoa, whoa, whoa. Chinch's friends. How many? How many are you expecting here? Because Andy Booth, Andy Booth. I don't know how he gets. I don't know how he got out of bed. <laughs> how he got in a car? How he got to training? How he played? 
I don't know how he got through life, that lad. Well, you start the whole, the soccer story started with Andy Booth. Maybe yeah. it can be the way of reinvigorating oh, okay. the genre. I'll have a little. I'll have a little think about Booth. As well.